This is Alex Schiffer of the Kansas City Star. As usual, I'm alongside Blair Kirkhoff, and today we will break down Missouri's blowout win over Arkansas in the battle line rivalry. Probably talk a little more bowl projections and basketball game against Temple tonight. Blair, how you doing? Doing good, Alex. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. You too, you too. How was, uh, you were in Ames this weekend, right? Yeah, little Lawrence on Friday, little Ames on, uh, on, on Saturday, watching maybe Bill Snyder's last game. We'll have to see about that. Are you heading to Oakland, or are you staying here for something? I will be in Oakland for the Chiefs on Sunday. It's actually the very first chance they had to clinch a playoff spot. If a lot of things have to happen, but uh, but we're in that we'll be in that December mode with the Chiefs, where um, kind of every. Every game, uh, part of the narrative of every game is how, how it shapes up for their postseason chances, and they should they should win at the Raiders on on um, on Sunday and improve their uh, their their playoff uh, percentages. Yeah, it should be interesting. I don't expect that game to be fairly close to fall as well. Transitioning to college football, I was by myself on Friday, aside from Peter, for the. Uh, Mizzou-Arkansas game. You did not miss much because of the weather. Uh, just truly awful. Reminded me of Missouri's Thursday night game against Mississippi State with Dak Prescott a couple years ago where it was just a monsoon for most of the game. Not really much competition at all. I mean, Missouri did what they had to do. I thought their defense looked great. I thought it was a very complete game from both sides of the ball. I, I mean, I don't think either one of us expected it to be a loss for Missouri, but I thought maybe Arkansas would find its way into the end zone somehow, especially given they have a couple of good running backs. I thought, uh, I know we talked about it last week, and I remember thinking if this is uh, if this is a budding rivalry, which you know both schools want it to be, giving it uh, a nickname and a trophy and all that, then uh, then maybe somehow the underdog Arkansas in this case, in, in this case, will find some way to keep it close. And it was never that way. I, you know, I got to watch part of it and, and listen to a lot of it, and it just seemed like uh, Arkansas didn't have have much interest in being there. And it's such a dismal season for the Razorbacks. And I've I've got some Arkansas uh, fans who are friends, and they are just beside themselves about the season for for the Razorbacks, which ended with two two Ws. And and they're wondering if they have the right coach there in in Chad Morris. So uh, not a good time to be a Razorback fan. And and Missouri did what a, what a good team does. It it, uh, it it got ahead early and kept Arkansas down throughout the game. And uh, and and even in you know the weather conditions, uh, it didn't seem to bother Missouri. But it, it seemed like Arkansas just didn't want to be there. Yeah, I, I think it what. Rem- what showed me the most about Missouri with this game was that, you know, Barry Odom obviously has had his rough parts with the fan base since he took the job, and, and some for good reason with, with questionable play calls and, and some losses and everything. But in his three years on the job, Missouri has never checked out on him. He has never let that happen. You could tell Arkansas really the week before against Mississippi State where they got blown out 56, 6, or 7, whatever that score was. They didn't want to be there. Missouri, that's never happened under Barry Odom. And, and obviously that's not something that – that's not exactly a clause in the contract that gets him a, an extra bonus or something you see on the stat sheet or something you can lead the nation in. But 
I do think that it shows that Missouri, no matter what the record has looked like, has never checked out under Barry Odom, and that says a lot about his relationship with his players. Yeah, and of course that's why he was hired in the first place. Um, that was one of the selling points of Barry Odom. I always refer back to the video of him walking in, you know, to the meeting room and surprising his team when he was introduced as the next head coach, and, um, and how excited all the players were. Um, but this does now, you know, I, I think it's it, it's okay to or fair to talk about, uh, you know, at eight and four the regular season. Um, and where he is in terms of his tenure at Missouri, is this is this contract extension time for Barry Odom? Should he have one? Does he deserve one? And you know, I think it would certainly um, you know establish some some continuity when it comes to recruiting and being able to to sell the idea of Odom and his staff, uh, you know, going forward if, if there was some kind of extension. You, you walked into my next segment i mean we i didn't touch on this in the introduction but you know yesterday or i guess really sunday night some some stuff started to drift out that louisville and odom were linked together for you know to kind of replace bobby petrino we actually got some of that news during Conza martin's press conference yesterday which is why i texted vahe and said hey you want to text barry you want me to you know which one of us will have more luck with him and uh, vahe said you're with Conzo, i'll take this i i never looked at this as a serious interest from Odom's standpoint, I mean, you know, just a, a quick spark note on Louisville. I mean, they're a commuter school in a basketball co- conference, and, and frankly, despite the FBI stuff, always a basketball school. So I, I think that it would kind of be, a, at best, a lateral move if he were to end up, if that were to end up being a thing, and really more of a rebuilding situation while it looks like he's starting to get things going at Missouri. And, you know, I think part of this, I think the whole point of this is really a smokescreen to get a contract extension. I mean, Jimmy Sexton is the Scott Boras of college football. He's the best in the business for a reason. But, uh, and, and Petrina was making, I think, around $4 million at Louisville. Obviously, Odom's the lowest paid coach in the SEC. But I, I never really took that report for for much just because obviously Louisville is very focused on Jeff Brom, their former star player and, and Purdue head coach for their replacement. And and really, you know, for Odom it just it on paper none of it makes sense. Yeah, look, there it's you, you know, you guys did a good job and you got the comment from Barry Odom and that was that was good. I, I never you know, I, I never thought that that was a, a real strong possibility, but but this is how the game is played. This is how the dance is done at this time of year. When um, and, and you mentioned Jimmy Sexton, the agent, Barry's agent, and he is—he is the best in the business. And it didn't do his, you know, his cause any harm at all to have Barry Odom's name out there associated with another school. So uh, I suspect we'll uh, we, we'll be seeing something in the uh, maybe between now and the bowl game, maybe right after the bowl, about some sort of. Uh, some sort of extension for Barry. I think an eight and four season uh, it, it warrants it. I I think you know Missouri, you know, has to. You know, is this your coach? I mean, is this the guy you want to go forward with? Yes, there were a couple of losses this year that were that stung and prevented Missouri from having a bigger season, uh, maybe a better bowl game. But uh, uh, but but I think an eight and four season and uh, 
and, and the, you know, winning at Florida the way that, uh, that Missouri did. Uh, I, I think this is your coach. And I, I think he's, um, he, he's going to be Missouri's coach for a while. I know next year might be a little bit of a dip in, in, uh, as they transition away from, uh, Drew Locke and into the, the, whoever the quarterback of the, of the future is, but there needs to be, I, I think there needs to be a statement that, uh, the Barry Odom's the coach going forward and, and Missouri believes in Barry Odom and they're not starting over at, you know, at, at that position. So, I, I don't. I don't imagine we will. Uh, uh, the the, the off season will pass without some kind of gesture in in that regard toward toward Barry. So, um, yeah, it's it's worth bringing up. And other jobs are going to come open. The dominoes are already starting to fall. And and it, it never hurts Barry and his family to have his name out there with other schools. But look, this is. You know, this is where he went to school. This is his dream job. He's he said as much. I, I think it would take a heck of a lot for Barry Odom not to be the Missouri football coach. I you kind of walked into another point of mine, and this is kind of twofold. You know, people are talking about, oh, you know, Missouri's going to empty the, the bank for him and everything. I, my whole comment was I was on the radio with Cody Tapp yesterday on 810, and Barry Odom is giving – he's currently making – seller SEC money, and he's giving you middle-of-the-pack SEC results. You know, people talking about a raise, he's not going to get a Jimbo Fisher contract for $7.5 million. He just deserves to get bumped up, you know, maybe another million, $2 million to $4 million or so. He's at, I think, two, three, five right now, or, or that's 2.5 range after incentives. And the other, and the, this is kind of twofold is that, you know, people are talking about, you know, well, let's see him win without Drew Locke. To me, and obviously we get different reader emails, but to me the same people that are banging the let's see him win without Drew Locke drum are the same people that were calling Drew Locke overrated after the Kentucky and South Carolina losses. And I I just don't think you can live in both camps if that's what you're going to be. I do think that, as we've talked before on the podcast, that, this is the first time in a long time Missouri does not have a quarterback in waiting. A week from today, Kelly Bryant is making his decision. You know, the sources have told me, and it seems like a lot of people, that it's Auburn and Missouri. With the train wreck at Auburn right now, I think that if Gus Malzahn loses his job in the next six days, Missouri seems to be in the driver's seat. And if they get Kelly Bryant, I think Missouri could be a 9-10 win team next year looking at the schedule. But And there's some things that have to kind of fall with that, too, obviously. You know, Dana Holgerson's been looking at some jobs. They play West Virginia next year. But my whole thing is that I, I think that Barry's getting an unfair rep with the Drew Locke uh, card because Drew Locke's stock has gotten white hot in the last four weeks. So they went undefeated in November, and he's barely thrown any picks or bad passes, really, and has looked like everyone thought he would. So I, I just think that – I think you're right that he's deserving of an extension and everything, but I, I think that – I just think that some of these comments and, and the, the devil's advocate arguments are just really stupid. Well, if if not Barry, then who? I mean, who who's your who's going to be your guy? If you don't like Barry Odom as your head coach, um, you know, Les Miles and Mac Brown are off the table. So, uh, you know, if you, if you want to go the – you know the the 65 and over set. I, I don't know who, who who Missouri fans would you know would would like in that position. Uh, 
uh, I, I just don't know. And as as for the money, he he does deserve uh, a boost in salary. There, there's no doubt about it. He he was paid commensurate with his experience. He's proven to be a winning football coach at a, at a program that's you know based right now somewhere sixth, seventh, eighth in the SEC based on results this year ahead of programs who were paying their coaches better than what Missouri's paying its coach. So pay the guy, give him his money and, uh, and, 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 uh, give him the, uh, and make sure that the language in the buyout is, uh, you know, shows confidence in him and, and go from there. So like I said, before next season, I feel pretty confident that, that Odom's going to have his contract extension and, and, and there'll be, uh, there'll, there'll be confidence in, in the program. There are always going to be detractors. And I, I, I was one who, you know, I still you know, think that there's no way that it should have lost the Kentucky game and South Carolina loss also unfortunate, a little more understandable because that was on the road, but um, it is what it is. He rallied, uh, beat a good Purdue team that beat Ohio state this year, eight and four chance to win nine, depending on what happens in the bowl game. Look, this is a good season, worthy of uh, of confidence in the coach and the staff, and I, I think that's where we are going forward. Yeah, one more thought before we move on. You know, I was asked on the radio again yesterday, where is Barry Odom ranked among SEC coaches? And I said, you know, I, I think he's in the middle of the pack. Obviously, he's not Nick Saban, but what people are forgetting is that the SEC had crazy turnover last year with, you know, obviously Dan Mullen went from – stayed within the conference, but – there was about five to six coaching changes, depending upon how you want to count Mullen, within the conference. So a lot of these guys are kind of getting an incomplete grade right now because they're still kind of building their programs. If you're Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee or a Chad Morris at Arkansas, you know, obviously all these guys can say that these aren't their players and that there's, you know, there's locker room issues and that they're doing – they just press the reset button – so kind of by default, he gets the benefit of the doubt to kind of be in that middle pack of the conference because five or six guys that are below him all just change jobs, and he still won more than more than a handful of the established guys, like a Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. I can remember seeing some kind of list, I, I don't know, some website before the season started that had Barry last um, in, in in the league in terms of ranking the coaches. and. I think Missouri, it's just been my observation since Missouri's joined the conference that they don't get any benefit of the doubt, when it, especially from media and, and voices and opinion makers that are in the, foot, the deep footprint uh, of the SEC. But, you know, when, when, you, when you rank coaches, all you, all you really can do is look at, the, you know, you, you, I, I think you put more emphasis on the most recent record than you – and then you factor in a career record and career achievements. And right now we've got what three years worth of Barry Odom uh, to, uh, to to evaluate, and he's been in bowl games in two of those years. He inherited a, a very difficult situation when he uh, when he arrived, and uh, he, he's his victory total has escalated each year. So I'm um, I'm, I'm on Team Barry when it comes to this. I I'd put him somewhere, probably somewhere between. Eight and ten, I, I, and I, I can't tell you who I'd have him, you know, in, I'd have behind him. But the results say that that he is, uh, he's not, you know, in the bottom tier of, of SEC coaches. 
Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash SportsPass. One other food for thought. I don't want to get too off topic right now, but since we are a pay for the coverage of the SEC in the Big 12, should Auburn fire Gus Malzahn, there will not be a single coach in the SEC that has beaten Nick Saban, which would be crazy. I'm just curious, what do you make of the Bob Stoops rumors? Obviously, there was that flight from Auburn or Montgomery to uh, to Norman yesterday, or wherever it was in Oklahoma. He came out with a statement. I'm just curious what uh, where you stand on all that. Well, I think Auburn is a crazy place. I mean, a crazy place. Um, it was crazy. Um, it, it's been crazy before. I mean, it was crazy enough that. Uh, a couple of years, or how, how many years was it after Gene Chizik won a national championship there? He was he wasn't good enough to be at Auburn, and the you know the the, the Iron Bowl makes for just uh, people going crazy, people people out of their minds. And uh, when you lose to Alabama, actually, and Auburn played him close for a half, but when the, it ends up being as decisive as it is, that's kind of an unacceptable result. And people in Auburn are different than those out in other places in the SEC. They think they should be able to play with Alabama every single – they have to play them every year and should be able to, you know, to hang with Alabama, beat them, and, uh, and it should be a, an even rivalry. And it's just, you know, what, what Nick Saban's created at Alabama is maybe one of the, you know, the greatest dynasties in college football history. So I don't know what's going to happen. I think Gus Malzahn's a fine coach, and, and uh, he, wouldn't be out of, he wouldn't be out of a job long if Auburn decided to, uh, to replace him. But – Again, I ask when when schools are making decisions like this, who's you, who are you going to get? I mean, who's who's the guy? What's you, you got to you don't make a move like this without having something, you know, in mind. And and I say that keep in mind. I know the school that uh, nobody wants to hear about on this podcast, but I think Jeff Long went into the the uh, took the job at Kansas back in July, knowing that Les Miles would be available for for his uh for his job that he knew was going to come open um i, I got to think that if uh if if auburn's serious about getting rid of a you know a coach like Malzahn who's who's been to the national title game and has had great great programs set a couple of victories over alabama then um you better have you better have a stoops like replacement in mind it ain't going to be stoops but you better have someone like that in mind I agree, and and I looked it up real quick. Chizik was fired two years after winning the national title with Cam Newton, um, which is crazy. And I I agree with all that. I think the only other food for thought is that Gus Malzahn's buyout is just absurd. It would be $32 million, Auburn owes him. I think he gets 16 immediately and then four over four years. I I mean, a seven and five years. That's a Charlie Charlie Weiss buyout. Yes, yes. It, I we need agents like that. It's just it's unbelievable yeah. what uh what these guys are what these administrators I guess are are willing to do for a change and to transition over to bowl talk because Auburn's destination could affect Missouri's. 
You know, I don't know if you got to watch the basketball game between uh, LSU and Texas A&M on Saturday night that went seven overtime. I uh, quick stat for you. I, I did the math. LSU and Texas A&M met in basketball twice last season, and both games did not combine for as many points as the football teams did on Saturday night. Um, amazing, uh, amazing game. Just amazing. And that's, you know, that's college football's overtime rule. Agree with it or not. I, I don't agree with it. I, I do like the, I, I do like guaranteeing both teams possessions, but I think those possessions should start at midfield and not at the 25. And that's how you get, you know, a 74, 72 final, which is just almost absurd to, absurd to hear, um, scoring on, on every possession, going for two and getting it on every possession. I, um, but but yeah, you're right. The outcome of that game, uh, I, I think, will impact Missouri's bowl uh, destination. Yeah. So last week we were talking about Missouri's main goals to maybe get in the Outback or Gator Bowl, and then obviously Music City kind of being more of a fallback. And now we're looking at from the latest projections that the Gator Bowl is kind of the best case scenario for Missouri and the Music City Bowl being more likely as, as option number two. It, it looks like Missouri's out for the outback because of the LSU loss. Uh, I think a lot of this is going to be depending upon how far does LSU fall and then what happens in the SEC championship game on Saturday if Georgia can pull off the uh, upset over Alabama. But, I, I, you know, obviously Missouri, if they – take care of business in the South Carolina Kentucky games. We're not really having this conversation and they're pretty safe uh, for a New Year's game of some capacity, regardless of Saturday's results for LSU. But now, I mean, it, it's crazy how, and, and again, Music City is obviously a logical landing spot for Missouri because of geography and the region. There's a huge alumni base for the university there, but you know, my, my whole argument this whole time has been, I think we discussed it, is that if Missouri gets the seven or eight wins every year, they will always have the Liberty, which is also another option in the picture now, and the Music City on the table just because of geography and alumni relations alone. This is a year where they can kind of flirt with getting to something in Florida like an Outback or a tax player, Gator Bowl, and to me, if you can get to Florida this year, regardless of what the ticket sales look like or anything, it'd be the better look for the program. Yes, you're right. Here's the thing about the bowl games. You, um, there, there, there's the fan consideration, and that's essential. And, and most years, most years, that's maybe paramount. When, when it doesn't look like there's a, a chance at a different tier bowl, you, if you're in the, if you're bowl shopping, you want the one that's going to be most convenient to your fans. But this is a year where Missouri could be on the cusp of a of a nicer bowl with a better matchup. And w- when you have that opportunity, that's what you want, even if it's going to inconvenience fans a little bit. And and you mentioned it. It's it's it would be the Tax Slayer Bowl, the the old Gator Bowl in Jacksonville against the Big 10 opponent. That's that's what that, that seems like the uh, scenario for Missouri right now and that's the one that Missouri really should uh, be, be aiming for now. Now it could almost be a cinch if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC title game, and that way Alabama stays in the college football playoff. Two SEC teams in the college football playoff, 
and maybe a fourth SEC team joins Florida in one of the New Year's Six Bowls. Um, that way everybody else moves up in the bowl pecking order, and, and Missouri could move right into that that game in, in, in Jacksonville. But other than that, I, I've seen I've seen Missouri in a lot of different places. I've seen them projected into the uh, Music City Bowl. I've also seen them projected into the Liberty Bowl, and, and one has them in the Independence Bowl playing BYU. I saw that. And I don't think you know, it's, it's not what you want. Um, I'm, listen, there's no such thing as a bad bowl game. I've always believed that if you're if you're not a program that's playing for national championships every year, you know there's no such thing as a bad bowl game. But uh, Missouri's been to that game. It would be it's it's not a great destination city for fans, not much less than uh, than than Nashville, for instance. So that's um, you know that's sort of the scenario. I don't think it's one or two games. I think there's a there's a range of about five games for Missouri. And um, and we'll, we'll know on Sunday, but it'll be a lot of speculation between now and then. Uh, I agree with all that. You know, I, I saw the walk-on Independence Bowl projections too, and and another another reading from the Book of Blair. The thing that kind of blew my mind about the the Mizzou BYU game is that Mizzou has the return game of that 2015 BYU game in 2020, and I don't know if the two teams would be crazy about another game you know they obviously the bowl games try to match up teams that don't normally play each other with you know it being a big non-conference game for both programs in a couple years I don't know how they would feel about playing again in another high stakes game so uh, you know two years before that and so I I, that matchup made me scratch my head a little bit you know I I think the Liberty Bowl and and the Music City Bowl are obviously not bad fallbacks from Missouri. I think they're a little better than the Liberty Bowl. The Liberty Bowl was the only bowl representative at the Arkansas game, so they clearly want Missouri bad. But I uh, I agree that if they can just kind of – if Georgia can pull off the upset of Alabama, it they might be able to kind of recover and get into something – a little better than, than what's currently projected. But, yeah, I, I don't think walk-ons in the Penance Bowl would be good for Missouri at all. And I uh, I don't think Liberty or Music City would be bad, per se. It would just be, you know, you look at the Music City projections. I mean, Boston College is one. I think Duke is another, you know. Georgia Tech is a possibility. Georgia Tech, I saw North Carolina State. You know, North Carolina State's quarterback is another one like Drew Locke that's being – highly touted as an NFL draft prospect, so there would be that matchup. Danny Jones the same way with Duke. But, you know, that's not – those aren't matchups that I think would get the fans to, to go out for that. I think Nashville would in the Allure Bowl game, but not, not the matchup itself. And and that's kind of the problem with Music City and, and Liberty had a projection with Oklahoma State while Missouri fans just went to the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma State. I think obviously Kansas is not bowl eligible, but if Missouri's going to face a, a Big 12 team of sorts in a bowl game, it would have to be something with a little more juice than than Oklahoma yeah. State. Yeah, yeah. I think given given all the the potential opponents, the you know a Michigan State uh, or Wisconsin in a Florida bowl is the is the dream for me. I mean that's you know ESPN coverage, uh, you know. Uh, High-profile opponent from the Big Ten on the other side, Drew Locke against uh, probably a pretty good defense. Give me that game. That's the one I'm pulling for. If that means pulling for Georgia, 
and getting two SEC teams back in the playoffs uh, like we had last year, which turned out okay. That championship game was phenomenal. Um, I'm, I'm for it, but uh, uh, that's what. But that's what's going to take. I mean, that's. I, I really do believe that that's what it'll take to get uh, Missouri into a Florida game, uh, a high-profile Florida game. I agree. We'll learn the. Uh, we'll learn Missouri State on Sunday, right after basketball plays Central Florida. Before we get out of here, basketball hasn't played since we last spoke. But they play Temple tonight. The Owls are five and one. They have some impressive wins over California and Georgia, and they have about three to four guys that could score in double figures for them. And then obviously Central Florida, I think people are kind of looking at it as an underrated game. It was a huge win for Missouri when they beat them in Orlando last year. They obviously have a seven foot six Taco Fall, and Johnny Dawkins' son. Johnny Dawkins is the coach there now, and his son, who transferred from Michigan. Um, I think his name is Aubrey Dawkins. He missed last year to injury, and he's a big piece for them. So I both I, – I don't expect Missouri to win those games. I think if they can split them, it would be a good week for the Tigers. So I'm just curious how – we don't need to score but just what's one thing you're looking for in these two upcoming games? Well, I, I first of all, uh, is Geist going to play? I mean, he hasn't practiced since um... – yeah, uh, the Virgin uh, he, he he's a tough kid. You have to pull him off the court for him to not play. I'm told he's a go. Well, that, that's good to hear. I mean, that's uh, he he's becoming so important uh, for this team. What, what I want to see <clears throat> is, you know, I, I think we've seen the the, um, uh, the the best of guys like Jordan Geist, and we've seen a good Mark Smith and. Per year, you know what you're getting. I, I want to see Jeremiah Tillman play you know, without worrying about foul trouble. I want him to see him play a little bit smarter. Um, he's not getting the benefit of the calls. He's got to earn that. And, and to earn that, you just have to play smarter. And I just want to see Missouri – when I think about Missouri at full strength, it's with Tillman not in foul trouble. He's, he's, he's such an important player for the success of this team. That's what, um, that's what I'll be looking for when I watch the Tigers tonight. Yeah, my my thought is not too far off from yours. Um, my whole thing is, I thought the tournament in the Virgin Islands was a good growing point for some of the freshmen, like Xavier Pinson, who had a twelve point game down there. Torrance Watson was a little bit more aggressively offensive. I think that if those guys, you know, I agree with you that Tillman out of foul trouble is when they're at their best. He needs to take a step forward, but everybody knew that. Just what do they look like when some of these freshmen are kind of taking that next jump and getting more acclimated to how the college game is in terms of physicality, officiating, all down the line? So is there a freshman tonight that has a bigger game than they've been having? Or if you're like a Pinson or a Javon Pickett who's kind of flirted with double figures a few times, do they kind of get over that hump and – and look like they kind of put some things together since we last saw them play. I, I think that that would be a a big growing moment for this team, given that it's all hands on deck right now. I guess side thing I'm looking for, because there's a local plug, you know, Conza burned the red shirt of Christian Guest, who they signed in September and was on campus the next week, and they had talked about, is he going to be ready in time for the season? And Conzo decided, you know what, he's a scholarship guy. I think he can help us now. So he he played against Kansas State for a little bit, 
Do we see more of him, and what does he look like? And do they burn the red shirt now of Parker Braun from Blue Valley Northwest, an Overland Park kid? And what what does he bring them? A lot of guys have said that Parker is the most deceptively athletic kid on the team. So I, I'd be interested to see what, what those guys could bring. Well, and it's important, you know, to um, to get the rotation established and how many – you know how deep is it going to go, and who who can you count on, and uh, what's what's the depth of this team? This this is the time to figure it out. Um, you know the, the the pulling of the red shirts is always always an interesting decision to make. Um, a lot of times it's based on injury or, uh, or or somebody's just killing it in practice, and uh, but but just maybe out of necessity here, Conzo um, looking for the right you know for the right combination. Um, uh, Right now, it, it seems like they just doesn't know how many guys average in double-digit minutes. Like ten, it seems like nine or ten. Um, there's, I, I think he's still trying to find the, you know, the, the, the right balance and in, in the right lineup. Um, and these next few games are, are good for that. You've got good, not, not great opponents. I don't know about NCAA tournament opponents, but similar opponents. Not. Not unlike Oregon State, um, you know, Kansas State's a top 15 program. That was going to be a struggle for, for the Tigers. But they're running into some teams now that uh, I think they, they, could, they should be able to match up against. And, uh, and we'll, see what the, we'll see where the growth is with, with this team. What's your, uh, what's your projected record for the next two games? Give me, give me, the, give me the opponents, and I will give you a W and L. I, I think they win tonight. I think, I think Missouri okay. wins tonight. Okay, so I, I agree with that. Then UCF on Sunday. That one, I, I think UCF is a better team this year than Temple. So let's let's give them a split. Two. I I agree. If Tillman's in foul trouble, obviously Taco Fall is not a revolutionary center by any means, but that's just size they can't match up with, especially without John Pay Porter. So Tillman has to stay on the floor if they want to even be in striking distance with uh, with UCF. Taco has his own and, and, Missouri, and, and Missouri Missouri beat him, I think, in Orlando last year. So Yes, that snapped their road losing streak. That was a big win. Yep, exactly. And then the next couple are, they're going to win, right? Arlington and uh, Oral Roberts. Yeah, Oral Roberts, yeah. Not, not good. Oral Roberts, not, not good this year. Yeah, Jeff Goodman reports today, Darius Garland, the Vanderbilt star freshman, is out for the year with a knee injury. Just a tough year for the SEC with some of the younger stars like John Tay and Darius Garland. He was supposed to be a big piece for them. So that that was a team that came in with high expectations. Now I'm curious to see if that's a team that I thought Missouri originally would lose to if they were to play this year. I kind of wonder where they go from here without him. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I. You know, it's funny with uh, look, just looking down their non-conference schedule. Conference season just starts so soon. I, they've got the they've got the gap after the Moorhead State game for for Tennessee, but it just seems like fewer conference games than ever. And um, uh, you know, Illinois kind of um, is iffy. Uh, that, that that seems like a toss-up to me right now. Xavier, uh, uh, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think so, but but you never know. Um, but. They they are done with the road, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're, everything else is is either home or in uh, the Illinois game in St. Louis. So they, they do not they play a road game until like Jan until mid January now. 
So take advantage of that. I, I know I know Mizzou Arena is not filling up or anything, but a uh, uh, good time to take advantage of a schedule that uh, that is that's favorable to them. I agree, and we'll wrap it up there. I, he's Blair Kirkhoff. I'm Alex Schiffer. We'll be back next week. We'll have a bowl destination for Missouri to break down, two basketball games, and uh, maybe Barry Odom with a contract extension. So we'll have plenty to talk about next week. Take care, Blair. All right, Alex. Take care.